Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. I, I say this all the time. There, there's technology to solve any problem. That isn't that isn't the challenge. The challenge is identifying those key experiences, right? Whether that are essential value drivers for your customers or for your employees, and thinking deeply about those and how you how you evolve those experiences. Technology is advancing rapidly. It's not a nice to have anymore. It's a must have. In fact, digital transformation is table stakes in today's environment. Companies are now just really thinking about consistent global experience for customers and employees. Wherever people work, wherever we serve people, trying to be consistent with that. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. Technology solutions are ubiquitous and can be overwhelming. But the initial question isn't what technology should I use? The question is what problem am I solving for? Convergent Technologies is answering that question every day. And what they found is the more interconnected a company's technologies are, the more impactful they will be. As a global systems integrator, Convergent finds ways to utilize tools to their highest potential to create smarter insights and more efficient workflow with minimal oversight. From smart sensors that keep your buildings eco-friendly, to security systems that send data to the cloud, to technology that translate what cameras see into actionable data, these solutions solve everyday problems and they generate superior ROI. At the heart of Convergence culture lies a dedication to service, a sense of excitement, and a commitment to the future. Nobody embodies this more than Eric Unag, VP of Technology and Innovation at Convergent. He has a vision for the next wave of technological revolution, and at Convergent, he's literally shaping the future. On this episode, we'll dive into the future of technology and how simple, real-world problems can be solved. Let's enter the arena with Eric Unag. Maybe first of all, you can tell us about the company and what you guys do every day. You know, we, we have um, benefited enormously from, you know, growth in, in a lot of sectors. But at, at the core of what we do, um, we're a global service company, right? And and that's been focused on fire security and life safety systems. And uh, our, our focus is really in the enterprise space, delivering things like card access, surveillance systems, intrusion, biometrics, all, all the fire systems, alarms, all the building systems that you would think about that protect people and property. And, and we do that in really really big global enterprise
these complex environments, right? So you think about oil and gas, transportation, healthcare, you know, defense, government, all those different types of environments that are that have difficult to solve problems that involve people and security and safety in, in physical space. You know, like most people, I'm not a technologist, right? But I'm smart enough to know that every successful company in the next 10 years is going to have to transform itself digitally. How do you define digital transformation? Because it's this big general term that everybody knows they need, but they maybe not, maybe they don't know what it means. So what, what does it mean to you and, and how do you view your job? That's a great question, Tom. And it's one that we talk about a lot, or I talk about a lot with some of our most progressive customers who are really you know, at the forefront of leading a lot of these transitions. And, you know, the, the Microsofts of the world, the Amazons, Intels, et cetera, are customers of ours. And I also work with them in a number of capacities thinking about that exact question. And I was challenged by somebody at one of those companies recently to think about it on par, digital transformation, that is, with, you know, the fourth industrial revolution, right? And to, and to think about this as not just another iterative technology step function, but really something that's on par with electricity and the mechanization of manufacturing and these other world-changing demarcation points in the last several hundred years that fundamentally rewired how the world operated, right? And so when we talk to customers now, we're really, you know, challenging ourselves and, and our and our thinking and strategies to, to root it in that kind of a context, that this is very much, you know, applying the technology of today, the AI, cloud, IoT, you know, big data, to change the way that 7 billion people, you know, relate to each other, they work, how they how they live, um, how the world fundamentally operates. And I, I think when we have that kind of a conversation and start to think about, you know, what do, do those changes and what those impacts might look like in the next, you know, three, five, seven years, we, we have fundamentally different conversations. And so I think really at its core, it is just applying you know, the technology we have at our disposal today to fundamentally change that customer and employee experience in, in the context of businesses of all kinds in, in the coming years. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, some people, you know, just to build on that theme, everybody knows they need to transform their organization digitally, but they might feel a little paralyzed when they think about it. A phrase I always use is you can't steer a parked car. You know, you got to get it moving. What, like, what is the first step when you're meeting with clients or your team is meeting with clients? Like, I'm sure they sit there and they nod. And I always think people who are quiet, like when you're pitching business to them, you know, they're either really smart or they have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, you know, how do they take that first step in assessing and implementing? What do you, how do you guys think about that when you engage with a client? I'll give you a brief analogy that, that we use occasionally when we talk about this and and then answer the question directly. But when we, when we talk about digital transformation in, in the fourth industrial revolution, sometimes I use the analogy of, of knocking on a door. And you think about sort of the first industrial revolution is just somebody that whatever there was wooden door, you just use your hand and you'd knock on the door. And then pretty soon there was maybe a knocker. You know, that second iteration was sort of maybe a metal knocker. And then in the last hundred years, you sort of have this, you know, push button doorbell and it rang an electronic doorbell inside. And today, you know, you can think about like a ring doorbell as a manifestation of that, 
you know, fourth industrial revolution, you think about all the things that have to happen for that ring doorbell to provide the experience that it does, right? You have this connectivity to the internet, you have, you know, a, a mobile app experience, you have a cloud service that runs behind the scenes, you have firmware updates and cybersecurity implications, you have artificial intelligence at work there, you have battery and power implications. So what has been a, a you know, fundamentally the same idea of alerting somebody inside of a, of, of a home that someone's at the door now, that experience has been fundamentally changed. And, and I, I like to use that analogy because it really does, I think, set the stage to, to, to the question you just described, which is what of those experiences, trying to identify those, those differentiated customer or employee experiences that create value for businesses that we can start to look at and think about, well, what, what might a fundamentally transformed experience look like there that creates that additional competitive advantage, whether it's you know from a customer-facing perspective or from an employee perspective. So when you really kind of pull those things together, you can really start to ask interesting questions because we're we are at a at a time where we can solve a lot of previously unsolved problems. And it takes a fundamentally different mindset to start to look at things from an unsolved problem perspective and start to work backwards on some of those experiences and business outcomes and say, how might we solve these differently now? And the, and the doorbell examples of, is a simple you know, analogy there, but it, it sheds light on, on, on what, what's possible and what changes the expectations on how people interact with their experiences in the, in the physical world. One thing I always am curious about is kind of the ROI on things like this. You know, when you're when you're talking to companies and, and obviously companies become more efficient, they can, you know, solve previously unsolvable problems as you're describing. Is is this like an ROI thing in your mind or is it just table stakes for like every company? The, the number of use cases and applications for these technologies are exploding right now. And I, I think today we're, we're still at the ROI stage for sure. I, I think, you know, there, there's a bit of a, a, a maybe a table stakes lens to that when you think about our evolving consumer experiences, right? When you think about what we do at the enterprise level and businesses, you know, our, our expectations as consumers have been significantly altered. And you can use go back to the doorbell example with Ring or um, others that what we deal with in our daily lives definitely is foreshadowing of a lot of the things that are happening now at the enterprise. So back to your question, I do think there's very much, um, we, we see the ability to tie these use cases out to ROI pretty quickly in, in a lot of different ways, whether it be with you know customer experience or, or quality assurance or process monitoring or just ways to bring efficiency to operations in ways that people just never had the ability to do before. So starting, as we talked about before, with that you know customer or employee experience lens, like what is it that the business or organization is trying to achieve at the highest level, You know their missional purpose, and then they begin to work back into those key processes and then break them down into you know, really use cases that we can demonstrate value on early on bringing this on new technology to bear in, in some of these physical world applications. That's how we're finding the traction the fastest. Right. These are reasons to invest, not just to fund digital transformation initiatives, but really to drive enterprise value from a customer perspective. Yeah, it's almost like a second derivative thing in a way where, you know what, you're you're spending money on this digital transformation. But the information that you get, the next series of decisions based on that information will give you a better ROI. You know, so it's almost like a bit of a mind bender. But um, I, I would imagine like. The senior teams and, and the teams in the field just have better information about their clients and 
what they need and and how how they are supposed to serve them, right? Yeah, Tom, the, it's it's a great point. It's one that has surfaced why conversion is, is, has such a unique role to play, I think, in, in the digital transformation story, that largely the 20 years we've built this purpose-built, mission-critical, global enterprise last-mile service organization. And, you know, as I have have studied this, you know, transformation and the impact of digital transformation, I, I like to describe what we do best is connecting the physical to the digital world. And that's a, a major theme around digital transformation. And as you just described it, you know, it is a mind bender in a lot of ways to think about, you know, what what could I know? What could I trend over time? What could I optimize when I can really begin to track all manner of things in physical space that I haven't been able to do before? And, and one of the most powerful ways we see that manifesting it now is with computer vision. And and not to get technical, but the, the idea really that with AI and cameras that you we are at a point in human history that we can turn anything we see into data. When you equip an organization's smartest people with that information and say, just think about that for a little while. Just go back and think about that, that anything you can see, you can turn into data. That's behavior, that's process, that's just anomalies, anything. Whether you just want to see trend, something good happening over time and look for the anomalies or something bad is happening over time, anything you can see, you can turn into data. And then what might you do with that data to either optimize, improve an outcome, reduce costs, change a customer employee experience? It, 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 that's a that's a mind-bending exercise, right? And, and it starts to really... It, it, when we connect with the, with the digital transformation themes with our customers and, and groups or leadership initiatives that are that are thinking about those kind of ideas, and then we then we give them the idea that we're we're able to deliver that data for you, or we're able to connect that experience for you and turn it into something that you can measure, you know, see over time and optimize. You really get a flywheel effect out of that that conversation. And it's it's really fun and fascinating to see that unfold across lots of different industries. Eric and his team clearly understand the importance of data. Providing analytical insights gives organizations the upper hand in the modern digital world. I asked Eric for an example of how a company had used data insights to improve their decision-making process. I'll give you two two specific examples in two different industries. Um, start with one in, in the financial industry, one that we're working on with, with a, a top five uh, financial institution in the country. And this is a very, very tactical use case, but it just goes to show you how, where this is applied and how it can be connected back to the return on investment and customer experience. And this particular financial institution operates thousands of remote ATM machines, right? We all use ATMs and many of them are detached from banks, right? They're in lobbies or vestibules. And one of the things that they know from a security perspective, and this will connect back to the business, is that when they have, you know, vagrancy or, you know, loitering issues in their ATMs, clearly the ATM usage goes down, right? And then the fees that you generate, the revenue they generate from those ATMs goes down. In parallel to that, anytime that there's, you know, excessive amounts of garbage or refuse in an ATM vestibule, the same thing happens. And so with computer vision, you're able to look at pose detection of people and not 
not not from a facial recognition perspective, but just say, look, this person's either sitting or, or leaning and you're able to alert either authorities and dispatch that. But the same way with garbage or refuse in an ATM vestibule. If, if there's, you can look at the scene and say, hey, there's a certain amount of refuse in this in this lobby. Odds are percentage wise that there will be less usage when this happens. Dispatch, you know, janitorial services, et cetera. And so rather than having in the past, they would have people go out and do these checks and look at these things or dispatch guards and now cameras to a monitoring center that's, that's doing automated alerting and dispatching of these services that, you know, not only reduces their cost to operate, but it improves their customer experience and, and drives, you know, high margin revenue um, through their ATM usage. It seems so intimidating and complicated, but when you think about like the ring doorbell and, you know, the ATM, it's like really simple, <laughs> you know, like this isn't, yeah, you know that the technology might be complex, but the application is super simple. You were going to tell us another one too. Just to affirm your point, it, it really is it, the complexity. A lot of times is identifying these use cases, right? Of the discipline to sit down and break things down into little parts and and to think deeply about your customer journey and where are there points of friction and where might you improve that in a way that really. Again, to your point about being table stakes, I think that's where the, the organizations that are moving faster now are creating that pace right now, right? They're setting that pace. They're setting that expectation for customer experiences that others are going to have to catch up to. So really, really powerful themes there from a, a value creation perspective and competitive advantage uh, point of view. Another one, you, you mentioned retail. And, and we see, we work with, with, with some large retailers, a large home improvement Retailer is the example I'll give here, and they've been using some of these computer vision technologies to reduce shrink in ways that most organizations don't, right? Tying it back to, you know, looking for proactive uh, or, or active shoplifting to limit shrink. And that's, that's kind of a, a traditional use case in our world. But where, what that's emerging to is using this camera infrastructure and this is a conversation we have often, is stop thinking about your, your camera infrastructure as security, fire, and life safety, and start thinking about it as a visual intelligence platform. And how, how could you use this? And the way this retailer is starting to think about that is, you know, how, how do we mirror the experiences that we have online in physical space? And, you know, how can we identify the high value VIP shoppers? How do we reduce friction in checkout? How do we alert the, this person when they walk into a store that this is the things that they typically buy and here's the sales on those things? Imagine, we all know kind of the experience that we've become accustomed to in the last 20 years of, of e-commerce and online shopping experiences and the amount of uh, you know friction that's been reduced there, right? Our ability to, to check out frictionlessly and to be recommended products and all those things that happen. And you, you begin to very quickly visualize how you may be able to bring those same experiences into a physical brick and mortar store and what an incredible competitive advantage that can become to retailers who begin to, to move in that direction. Totally. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of the uh, physical retailers out there, they've been, you know, kind of punched in the nose for a couple of decades. And, you know, now there's tools available for them to play catch up and actually get the same insights or maybe even unique and different insights than their online retailers or direct-to-consumer might have. So that's like super incredible. Well, you, you, you think about all of the, the web metrics, right, that we've, that we've kind of become accustomed to now, like 
visitors, dwell time, you know, how many page views, all these things that you use to optimize an online retail experience. And now you think about your ability to do that in the physical world, right? You have, you know, if you had 10,000 shoppers in a day, maybe you had a high concentration in this particular department and in this aisle, and there's technology out there now that do gaze detection. Can you, are they people looking at this specific product and did you convert that shopper to a checkout line on the way out? And you think about the those those metrics that have driven massive improvements to online retail, the experience and profitability and growth and, and retailers' ability to optimize the experience based on all those metrics that you've never had in the physical world. It also brings up some challenges with these ideas, which is privacy, right? You think about, you know, I, we all have, have essentially forfeited our privacy online and, and it seems to be more visceral in the real world when we're saying, oh, geez, they're tracking me in a store, yet I'm willing to give up all that information online every day and have it actively tracked and used to promote you know, my, my personal information, there's a lot of really interesting conversations in there that, you know, we have to have with conversations as well, because we understand there's, you know, one of our roles really is to be that, you know, a strategic guidance, provide that strategic guidance and what's happening in the world. And these are themes that we, we study and think about a lot. And, you know, responsible use of this technology is key, right? But there are some areas where there's an artificial friction there. And there's some areas where there's absolutely legitimate concerns and we need to manage those things appropriately. And there's, there's you know, like any new technology, look, the internet in, in early days, who would have thought of all the, the, the good that's been created, but also all the extraordinarily negative things that have occurred. And we're in, in a similar cycle with, with a lot of these technologies as well. Yeah, unintended consequences, but um, it's another rabbit hole. What industries and geographies, and I just think this is just interesting, like are kind of maybe less on board <laughs> than others? I mean, I assume all the technology companies, they under, you know, they, they get the joke, they understand they have to be transforming their businesses for both external and internal stakeholders. Are there any you know, you're you're working with companies all over the world. Are there some areas that, you know, you feel like, hey, you know, they could be more adoptive of this technology? Or if you want to answer the question differently, what industries and geographies seem to be like all over it, you know, fully embracing, jumping in with two feet? I think the embracing side of it's a little bit easier to wrap our heads around right now. We, we see applications and interests across the board, certainly, and, you know, varying levels of, of geographic adoption. I think the world, you know, our, our worldview is very much global enterprise centric. And so particularly with these conversations that I have are really with those companies. And so what we see is a move towards consistent experience, right, whether that be for employees or customers. And you think about all of all of the implications of, of global pandemic on how people work, as an example. Geography seems to be less of an issue than it, than it would have been even five years ago, where companies are now just really thinking about consistent global experience for customers and employees, wherever people work, wherever we serve people, trying to be consistent with that. So I think, to me, it's less geographic sensitive than it is industry movers and adoption right now. So I'll, I'll maybe speak to it from that, that side of things. And I I, you know, as, as the world becomes more connected in real time, I think that, that the geographic part of it becomes a little less important as it has been in, in years past. Another one right behind there is healthcare, I, and I, I think we're seeing we're seeing early signs of, of big healthcare organizations really beginning to 
think deeply about how to just apply to the to the healthcare experience, right? And and look, anybody that's been to a doctor or, or anything, in, you know, in their lives knows that it's a sub-optimized experience, right? You walk <laughs> in, you get the clipboard, you fill out all your stuff every time. Uh, it's like ridiculous. Oh my gosh, it's 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 unbelievable. You know, I mean, the for the amount of money that goes at healthcare, and and look for an for an aging world, the experience expectations. I don't think any of us, right, that had parents go into assisted living and all these things, our expectations for what those experiences are going to look like are going to be dramatically different. And so there's big, big themes around healthcare in general, but the ability to bring this idea of connecting the physical to the digital world and optimizing patient care, patient experience, optimizing outcomes in general, right? I mean, just if you were able to have a nurse 24-7, 365, looking for these X number of things in a, in a healthcare environment, what would you be looking for? You're able to do that with computer vision now and, and, and beginning to think about how all that fits together for how, you know, healthcare organizations invest in technology platforms that do that is I, I, we, we see more or less every major healthcare organization beginning to con, uh, consider that and, and implement pilots and programs that are exploring, you know, what, what that's going to mean to their organizations. Because to your point, right, there's a first mover advantage here from a competitive perspective, but it also creates an expectation that everybody has to follow uh, at, at some point in the future. So healthcare is absolutely another one that that's moving now. Manufacturing also is, is another key piece, right? We're all experiencing supply chain challenges right now. Clearly, there's there's holes in our system on, on in in how we you know operate this interconnected world of supply chain and you know the, the ability to to optimize uh, manufacturing processes with all of this connected technology as well is another incredibly powerful theme I think. And you see, we see a lot of major brand name manufacturers, blue chip kind of manufacturers, really thinking about. What does it mean for us to use these kind of technologies to connect, you know, equipment and machines, you know, in real time to look at supply chain and, and optimize processes and, you know, again, reduce the, the human component of, of the processes dependent upon labor, the quality issues that you can optimize out of these things. And we had a, a fascinating conversation with a a food manufacturer that everyone would recognize talking about optimizing the production of their pizza rolls on the supply chain using computer vision and looking at like you know anomalies and how they were packaged and everything else that no one can look at in the speed that a camera could so all these little things when you think about the experience it, and it all comes back to the experience right on what is what is your customer employee experiencing and really thinking deeply and having that customer employee intimacy about where is their friction or where are their their problems that we haven't been able to solve before that or that are unoptimized that now we can you know really dig into those things with the covid pandemic emptying offices around the globe it can be hard to picture a time when everyone's back at the office Yet with the rapidly advancing nature of technology, Convergent is finding ways to make the office safer and more appealing to workers. I wanted to find out how technology can assist people as they return to the workplace. You know, in my role of interacting with organizations in a lot of different verticals and innovation departments, et cetera, uh, just the acceleration of willingness to change, right? Has there ever been in the history of mankind kind of a forced change management exercise on human behavior for 7 billion people in 18 months, you know, to this scale? There really hasn't, right? And so, you know, how you work, how you operate, how you interact, all these things. And I think that that single fact to me is why it's such an accelerant for digital transformation is that you had simultaneous forced behavioral change 
for seven, you know, seven billion people all at the same time. It wasn't a slow adoption, right, of different behaviors of online and digital and all these things. You had everybody at once in 60 days having to say, we're doing everything differently, right? And I think that when you recognize that, you sort of see what... I think digital transformation was moving much slower prior to this for obvious reasons. And then you just all organizations of all kinds have have recognized, you know, how much I'll say the inertia of their, you know, thinking has trapped them into a way of doing business. Right. And we were all forced to to fundamentally throw everything out the window and reinvent from scratch how we operate, how we interact, and the efficiencies we all recognized out of this were undeniable. And, and think of the cost that we've all taken out of organizations around, you know, you can't say unnecessary travel because some travel is certainly necessary and face-to-face obviously is there, but just the willingness to look at processes and say, what could we do and how do we do things? How, what could we do differently that that is essential, right? It made everybody get laser focused on what was essential and how to do it in the most efficient way possible. And I think that is at its core the best way to think about digital transformation, right? It's just we have so much technology at our disposal now. It's not about the technology. And I, I say this all the time. There, there's technology to solve any problem. That isn't that isn't the challenge. The challenge is identifying those key experiences, right? Whether that are essential value drivers for your customers or for your employees and thinking deeply about those and how you how you evolve those experiences. So if you think about your your employees or your colleagues as essential connected assets and you know their identities, their location, you know who they're who they're with. So those are all things that that with these technologies you're able to understand better, right? If you think about you know technologies that understand who is in you know different rooms together, different floors together, different buildings together, how many people are there, how long were they together? All those things are important for making decisions on you know exposure and managing you know the pandemic or endemic conditions that we're in now, occupancy levels, managing the you know the local. That's a that's a very complex issue to manage for a lot of organizations because they're granular, right? You may have a state regulation, you may have a city, a county, and and having to manage all those, you know, in real time. Doing it with technology is is a, is a much better way to do that. Um, you know, frictionless experiences is another big area of focus for customers now. Um, thinking about just not touching things in and out of buildings, right? And and this gets to the again facial and 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 recognition of people and proximity sensing and being able to lock unlock doors and and operate elevators and different things that look we've become accustomed to right in in our mobile experiences and our phones and being able to use our what you and I do every day, right? I recognize Tom because I see your face and I know it's Tom, right? I don't, I don't question that. I don't look at my daughter and wonder, Jesus, is that my daughter? I, I know because I am looking at your face, right? So it, it, that's an interesting topic, right? It's an interesting, there's a lot of um, challenging optics around facial recognition for good reason, right? It's a big societal issue. Another rabbit hole to go down, right? <laughs> Huge rabbit hole. We'll avoid it. We'll avoid it. But just from a, from a practical functionality perspective, we all do this every day, right, as, as people. The, the challenges stem from how people use that data on the back end. But when you think about how those experiences can work in getting into a building and, and removing friction and, and accessing physical space, and honestly, the, a lot of this comes starts to unlock new opportunities around optimizing space usage, right? I mean, we all think about how much physical office space we're now not utilizing that we're paying for, right? 
I'll tell you what, it's actually amazing because it's infinite applications for every industry, it seems, right? I mean. Yeah, Tom, I think that's, you know, it always sounds like hyperbole when I say that, right? But I've had the pleasure, the benefit of of looking at this from a very detached perspective and working with our customers and seeing it through their lens. And, you know, when I when I say unlimited use cases or an infinite number of use cases, I, I truly believe that. I think it, it's like electricity. If you, like in the beginning, you started to invent electricity, you think I can turn on a light, right? That's, that's the killer use case. And then, you know, ultimately we power everything in the world with electricity. And I really do believe, and I use this analogy all the time that this is like mechanization or the or the you know invention of electricity or mechanization of manufacturing i should have said where we have no ability to you know see what the implications are in the world in the next you know 10 to 15 years but what i know is that it is applicable everywhere it's happening right now and it is going to fundamentally change the way the world works and and we're all going to get to live through that yeah well i'll tell you what I, i love the passion for this i know that's a function of the culture at Convergent, which is so great. I've met some of the senior team there, and I know that's such a huge part of your success. Uh, Super eye-opening conversation. And I I think the biggest takeaway for me is I'm not a technologist, but like I feel like I kind of get it. The actual nuts and bolts of the technology is in the background. You know, someone's going to figure that out for me. It's just, hey, what insights do I need to draw to be more successful and more efficient? And so... I think this has been a great conversation. Would love to have you back on at some point and uh, hear more about what you're doing. It's my pleasure, Tom. Thanks for having me. In a fragmented society, it's good to know there's people making connections. Convergence integration connects teams and free up valuable resources. And there's a lot to be learned from their approach. Are all the systems in your business integrated? Do your teams work seamlessly together? Are your employees on the same page? What could you accomplish if this was the case? I'd like to thank Eric Uneg of Convergent Technologies for joining us. It's really incredible to think what the future holds in terms of data business efficiency, and actionable insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behaviors. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.